Warning, this week's episode should not be played at Thanksgiving dinner unless your family is fucking awesome. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Policy Genius and by the Turkey Safety Tweet Line. Apparently somebody on Twitter named at real Donald Trump is ready to answer all your questions about turkeys. That's at real Donald Trump with two E's, not R-E-A-L, like real Donald Trump, because that's the president. So don't be confused and send way too many tweets to at real Donald Trump. Send it to at real Donald Trump. Also, happy Thanksgiving. And now, the scathing atheist. Ho, 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 ho. Hello, boys and girls. It's me, Santa. Just reminding you that if you aren't a patron of this show already, you're probably getting cold in your stocking this Christmas. But why, you ask? Because we did, in fact, evolve from filthy monkey men. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Thanksgiving if you love freedom. And you should go watch the thing we made on YouTube. I'm No Illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from New York, New York, Secret Lair, Pennsylvania, this is the Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, seriously, go watch the thing we did on YouTube. Angelo is amazing. I yield the balance of my bullet point to the thing on YouTube also. And Frank and Dan from the How To Heretic podcast will be here to talk butt stuff. But first, the diatribe. All right, so I had an amazing time in Australia. I enjoyed myself so much that I started getting worried. Skepticon was fucking amazing. It was a whole weekend of deciding between great speakers and great live podcast records, and Iran and all the folks with Australian skeptics spoiled the hell out of us while we were there. It was an amazing fucking time. And the whole time, I'm having so much fun in one of the world's least religious countries, and I'm getting really concerned because my job requires me to be pissed off, right? Like, I've got to get angry to make this whole thing work. I can't do a diatribe about how happy I am. Where would I put all the fucks? But I wasn't too worried because I knew there was a savior awaiting me between the trip to Australia and the next diatribe. A bright, shining, rancor factory of misery that promised to reinvigorate my acrimony and reaffirm my job security. And that was the 29 hours of airplanes and layovers that got me back home. I was sure that somewhere along the vast and tiresome expanse of the Pacific Ocean, there was a match awaiting my fuse, but as certain as I was of that fact going in, I was still surprised when it happened, because it came from an unexpected place. What pissed me off, in fact, was piss. The piss, specifically, of American thespian and national treasurer Tom Hanks. See, 
I'm looking over the movie selection on the plane, and it's the same one I had on the 23-hour flight to Australia, so it's getting a little stale. But I noticed that they did have The Green Mile. And I think to myself, hey, that's a perfect movie for a long flight. It's three hours long. It moves really slow, but in a good way. And despite some like on-the-nose analogies and a few over-the-top cliches, it's well-written. So I decided to watch it. And of course, they come up and warn you ahead of time that this film has been modified from its original version because a dude's head catches fire in it, and we don't want some little old lady seeing that for the first time on our airplane. Thank you very much. But I was unprepared by how much they were going to edit out. I'm, I, I mean, I'm used to the dumb shit they substitute for profanity. You know, fuck a stranger in the ass turns into fight a stranger in the Alps, and Tony Montana starts thanking people at the least appropriate of times. And as a professional vulgarian, I don't care for this type of censorship, but even that wasn't enough to get under my skin after such an amazing trip. But when you start fucking with Tom Hanks' piss... You've crossed the line. Now, if you haven't seen The Green Mile, that's going to sound weird. But if you have, you know that a significant portion of the film revolves around Tom Hanks' character's inability to squeeze out a piss. Right? The key supernatural conceit in the script is revealed to us through a miraculous healing of his urinary infection. So this really matters to the plot. But apparently, some people think urinating is offensive. So, so, so the version of the movie I get on the airplane chops apart all the pissing-related parts with a meat cleaver and delivers up a movie that would be indecipherable to follow on a first viewing. And, and I can't overemphasize how, A, pivotal to the story this is, and B, how non-offensive the peeing in this flick is. He's not pissing on a mattress because Obama slept on it once. It's not being used for comic effect. We don't see his urethra open. It's off-camera, benign, and a pretty inspired plot device. And beyond that, it's Tom Hanks! I would submit that there is no way to appreciate Tom Hanks' brilliance if you take out the pissing. His whole acting method revolves around the pissing. League of Their Own, Castaway, Forrest Gump, The Money Pit, Captain Phillips, all of them have pivotal pissing scenes. And how the fuck can anyone get angry about urinating? Is there an anti-urinating group out there that tells us that peeing is sinful? I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. That's not inherently dumber or more crazy than telling us that masturbation is sinful. But unless it's being done by trans people, you don't often see people getting worked up about it. But apparently, the very fact that a penis is involved is enough to piss somebody off. And I can't help but wonder what that decision-making process looks like. Right? I imagine a room with a lawyer and a mom, a rabbi and a priest... You're probably a black guy and a gentleman of Polish descent just so you can have all the subject of bigoted 80s jokes in the same room. And they're, and, and they're just going through it frame by frame with a buzzer for anything that might offend somebody. You know, wait, 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 back up for a second. That blood on the floor, that isn't, uh, that isn't menstrual blood, is it? No way to know for sure. Cut it. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but this film takes place in November and that coffee cup is just plain red. Cut it. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but you can hear him urinating and that comes out of the devil's hot dog. Cut it. Right? I mean, that has to happen. That has to exist somewhere in the world. That room has to be real on Earth. And honestly, who the fuck are they trying to protect here? Who are they cutting these scenes for? Is it, is it, is it for the innocent little nine-year-old who decided to forego the five separate Spider-Man movies they had on tap to watch a three-hour Frank Darabont period piece about an African-American man's unjust treatment in a 1930s Alabama prison and might be scarred by the tangential suggestion of a grown man's penis therein? Or is it for the hyper-religious, antiquated prude who watches this movie after their mission trip and can't believe they'd include the acknowledgement of a basic biological function in entertainment that's technically accessible to children? Look, 
as a species, we are way too easy to offend. And as a person who's actively offended that they cut out pissing parts of a schlocky Tom Hanks movie, I recognize that I'm not immune to the problem. But at least the petty thing I'm getting worked up over has some basis in reality, right? I'm angry about artistic integrity here, and I'm getting pitted against people who are angry about people having to expel excess fluids. And I'm trapped in a world where international airlines take their concerns more seriously than mine. I'm stuck in a world with whole institutions dedicated to being offended by mundane universal shit. And for some fucking reason, society is still pandering to them. The first time they got offended because somebody admitted peeing was a thing, we should have laughed them out of the conversation. And yet we've let them hold sway over our entertainment for decades. And it's not like this is a victimless crime here, right? I mean, the first time a TV network censored an interracial kiss, we should have rose up against them as one. What we see on television and in movies helps shape what we consider acceptable and normal. And if it's used to reinforce negative attitudes about sex that extend all the way down to everything that involves a penis, there's no way that's not damaging. I'm certain that our puritanical squeamishness about pissing has led to an awful lot of kids too embarrassed to tell somebody when they have the early sign of a serious medical condition, right? I mean, I'm sure there are adults that right now are too embarrassed to go to a doctor and say, hey, what's this thing on my dick? All because we're wedded to some fossilized, arbitrary rules of priggish etiquette. So all of those people who are still offended by innocuous shit like pissing, fucking, or the words pissing and fucking, I want to say... In the language you understand, your spit brain morality can suck my foaming dish. I'm sick and fairly tired of listening to you bewail and moan about heck, fire, and darn nation every time we acknowledge that human beings have drops in vegetation and we use them to farm. Get the fork over it, you miserable frowning bandit, and let kids embrace their gentleness without being burdened by bull stuff, fears of their own cartoons. And before you write a flowing letter to a flying airline about a flickering movie where a feigning actor ponders a couple of fleeting times, try taking your own rusty drill or the arid sand pit of a country you call your property and thank yourself until you're over it. They're talking about your Jesus. Interrupt this broadcast bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are nobody. Because we're all still recovering from the Australia trip. We all had family stuff to attend to immediately after, you know, with Thanksgiving happening two days after we got back, and there was no way we could get together for a topical segment in time. So we're going to be stepping a bit outside the normal format this week, and things will be more or less back to normal next week. We've got a great interview for you coming up, plus some award-eligible acting in another installment of Mormon Peace Theater. But first, a quick word from this week's sponsor, Policy Genius. Hi, I'm No Illusions. And I'm Heath Enright. Is someone you know planning to fight a kangaroo? Does the explanation that kangaroos are almost seven feet tall not help? Does he keep telling you that the key is to get inside the kangaroo's guard? I'm going to get inside its guard, exactly. Then there's no better time to check out policygenius.com. Wait, what? Policy Genius lets you compare life insurance from the top providers online. It takes as little as five minutes. And if you find a policy you like and you want to know more, you can talk to one of their licensed experts and perhaps explain to him that you need to protect your income because one third of it knows in its heart that it knows karate. I do know in my heart that I know karate. I know. And uh, they don't just do life insurance. You can get disability insurance, renter's insurance, pet insurance, and compare health insurance, which you very well may need if you just got disemboweled by a marsupial. 
So yeah. if you're about to fight a kangaroo, or even if you just need life insurance, but you've been putting it off, try policygenius.com. Yeah. You can compare life insurance online on your own terms in your own time. Yeah. Policygenius.com. Because you should only be forced to speak to an agent if you've committed a federal crime, which I'm pretty sure attacking a protected animal is. Protected by evil. <sighs> As a person that grew up in a nominally religious, non-church-going family, I'm often baffled by the questions and concerns in my inbox. I mean, I get that 30 years of indoctrination doesn't wash off easily, but I can only imagine what it's like to actually go through that process. And despite my publicly professed ignorance on the subject, I still get inundated with requests for advice on how to be an atheist. How does a person raised in the church get over their fear of hell, their prejudice against casual sex, their innate discomfort with the word fuck? Now, for years, I've muttered my way through those inquiries with an apologetic reminder that I've never actually been through any of that, but I'm happy to now finally have a place to send those concerned emailers. Now, you know Dan and Mark as the co-host and occasional fill-in co-host of the Thank God I'm Atheist podcast, but they join me tonight to talk about their new collaboration. The How-To Heretic is an avuncular guide to leaving religion and all the new adventures that entails. So, Dan, Mark, welcome to The Scathing Atheist. Thanks, man. Hey, Noah. How's it going? It's going. You you guys gave me an opportunity to use the word avuncular. It's going. Yeah, I great. was impressed that you knew that one. That's a great word. I did. I, I, I don't know what that means. I guess I need to see a specialist. <laughs> <laughs> it, it means uncle like, and I paid a lot of goddamn money in college to learn that word. I'm yeah, damned if I'm not right. going to use it. So okay, first things first. Uh, has Salt Lake City fully recovered from four days of having Eli in it? You know, that's not something that you recover from. But I think if you get, they give you a cream for it, it cleans it, cleans it right up. You know, I, I, I have, I, I made a joke during the Gamcast that the only exercise I get is showing atheist podcasters around Temple Square. But you, you guys and your jokes about Eli and the bathroom are correct. I now know Temple Square more intimately than I ever did before because I know where every single toilet is. So. Come see me in Salt Lake. I'll show you around. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Especially if you're missing a gallbladder or just have Eli <laughs> disease. All right, well, I apologize. It seems like I just asked, hey, is that cousin of yours over the Vietnam War or something? So uh, I'll withdraw that question. And, uh, and, and instead, we'll talk about the how-to heretic. So tell me, what is the show? What was the inspiration for it? Mark and I decided that we wanted to do something uh, for the atheist community uh, that wasn't being done yet. And we looked around and, you know, there's lots of good shows like yours that are, that are, that cover sort of current events and cover all of, you know, how, uh, how that's supposed to go. So we wondered about what, but the, your show and, you know, thank God I'm atheist. These are all somewhat deep dives in, into the world of atheism. If you're not already initiated you're going to be lost at, at, at some parts of the way. At some of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we decided that we wanted to do something for the. It's not just for newbies, but we wanted to make sure that there was a that there was a place where where we could just discuss how the hell do you do you live life once you once the your entire worldview has suddenly just disintegrated out from under you. Yeah, and I think you you touched on that a little bit uh, in your excellent intro there, Noah. That for people like you who didn't, you know, give up a massive amount of your youth or, you know, adolescence or 20s or whatever to, you know, full religious programming, it's perfectly fine to, to you know, hate on religion and, and have this intellectual basis in that. But then there's these, this other group of people, which Dan and I are kind of part of, who walked out of a situation where your entire life 
you know, most of your life is programmed and you traded 10% of your income and most of your time for all the answers. Mm-hmm. So, so once you walk out of that room and you have to look at, you know, the world, uh, which you were taught was sinful and fallen and suddenly make a whole lot of decisions ethically and morally about it. And even just lifestyle decisions, like we, you know, how to drink, how to sex, how to, how to have a good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, we thought there's, there's probably conversations like that happening in bits and pieces on different podcasts, but there's not one repository probably for that. And we thought we were just the idiots to do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Okay. So let's, let's dive a little deeper into that. What kind of challenges in your experience do new atheists, and especially we're talking about people who were, you know, not, they didn't like just make the jump from, strong agnostic to now I call myself an atheist, but people who were like raised in an evangelical home or a Mormon home who are highly religious, what kind of challenges do they face both on the serious level and just on the more mundane level? You know, there's a lot of, uh, of, of ways that, that that jump becomes tricky. It's so for, you know, on a very basic level, it's things like, you know, okay, well now I get to drink. I was Mormon my whole life and I, or I was, you know, Muslim my whole life. And I never was allowed to drink alcohol while I was in that religion. And now everybody seems to be doing it. And I'm making new friends who are outside of that, re- that world. But you walk up to a bartender and what the hell do you do? Yeah. <laughs> you just, I mean, yeah, it's intimidating. The guy's just staring at you and you, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I heard of a martini. Is that a real drink? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's other things like, you know, people bring, the pro- programming is so deep when you've been in a long time that sometimes when you leave and you're like, okay, I get it. It's not real. A lot of people are still afraid of, like you said, hell or the devil. Mm. And that takes some work. You know, that takes some time to unwind and you have to unpack things. Here's what's really, what's interesting to me is that one of the things that you have to do in this process is unpack things and ask yourself, wait, was this a function of societal programming in that, you know, these are good ideas or was this a function of my religious programming? And it's actually stupid for me to think this way. So like you may think you, you know, you may be faced with, you you grew up in a restrictive religion that doesn't, that says that sex is always bad unless it's in marriage and then it's beautiful and good. And suddenly you're looking, you're looking at the issue again and you just, it's hard to unpack. Like how Mm -hmm. much, well, I mean, I know I could get, you know, a disease that's bad, but is, so should I continue with this whole abstinence until marriage thing or what? And so we, you have to examine everything, everything. And you have to kind of, you have to approach every moral quandary or ethical quandary that you thought you had the answer to because it was handed to you. You have to then look at all of those things. It's like Brexit. You You used to belong to this huge thing where everything was taken care of and all the treaties were signed. And now you decided to go off on your own and you have to renegotiate with every country about everything now. So, I, I feel like comparing atheism to Brexit is not a winning strategy. I don't no, want to give you notes should, on air, but... Uh, we should strike those remarks. <laughs> but, um, you know, one here's a great example. Yesterday or yesterday, on the last show, uh, we had a, a, an English and creative writing professor on to talk about how to read. Because... Once you, once you leave religion, you are no longer reading. You're no longer reading a canon to arrive at a preconceived notion. You're now engaging with literature in an entirely different way, and you're choosing the literature. 
So, oh wow, that that's think, the kind of thing that a person in my position would never really consider. But that's that's right. really interesting to think about. Yeah, you don't right. think about it because you because we think well, of course you know how to read because I know how letters form words and I know <laughs> you know I know how to read. But no, I mean it's actually quite fascinating when you realize that someone has been training themselves this whole time to uh, to avoid anything that is uh, that's scary or that's not faith affirming or blah blah blah. It becomes this really it becomes a very different animal. You know, I I I remember religious people saying to me, "But but does life have any meaning now? Now that now that you don't, you know, you're not going to go on after this life. You know, now that you believe that there's no afterlife and Jesus isn't going to hug you into his arms and you don't get, you know." blowjobs from 72 virgins or whatever once you die what's the fuck what's the meaning to it and i and it blows my mind every time because i'm like this life means so much more now like everything about it i have to savor because i get one shot at this thing yeah so like it's all about going out there and just Oh, I just need to sample everything. I need. I I feel greedy, but I'm just grabbing at life. I'm. I just want more, more, more life because it's great. Absolutely, yeah. You got to get blown by your seventy-two virgins now. It's that's that's a better deal when you think about it. (laughs) Why wait? Yeah. All right. Well, now obviously this is a a, can be a very useful resource for new atheists, but obviously there's a much larger audience of atheists out there than just the new ones. What does the show have to offer to the seasoned disbeliever? Uh, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shit. We didn't think of that. God damn it. So here's a great, here's a great moment that happened the other day is we had a a therapist on named Paige, who's really terrific. And we, we, the, the topic was how to come out as a skeptic or atheist. And he had this, you know, really important point to make, which was, um, have a goal and make a plan, but basically to have a goal. What is, what do you want from this coming out? And of course, you know, now you've been to Salt Lake City, Noah, and we've talked all about how, you know, there's a lot of people that young people end up on the streets uh, because they didn't make a plan, because they didn't have the goal of, uh, they just think coming out is you make a declaration and then it's all over. Right. Or you're you're required to do it. And, you know, if you think differently or if you're gay or if you're whatever, you're required to tell everybody about it. Otherwise, you're not being honest, true to yourself or whatever. And, and, And people think that you have to now be evangelical about it. So... Uh, I got all this feedback on social media from people who I've been out as an atheist for eight years. I've been out for 10 years. I've been out for 15 years. And I never thought to have a goal at at coming out. And it was such a fascinating, so fascinating to hear people who've gone through all the mental rigors that we have to be prepared to come out and to live life as an atheist or a skeptic. And they'd never thought about that very, very simple idea. Not only that, but we really do try to keep this entertaining for everybody. I mean, you know, Mark and I have both been atheists for, you know, blah, 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 years. And we, you know, we're trying to entertain ourselves, too. So I think Mm -hmm. that hope I, I honestly genuinely believe that this is a show for everybody. It may be, you know, even if you already are a seasoned drinker, it's kind of fun to hear hear like good, good drinkers talking about you know, nuanced ways that, to think about drinking. You know, even if you are a, lo- a lifelong reader, our conversation with Dr. K about reading, or with Professor K, we're calling her Professor K, about reading was fascinating. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think anybody will lose anything be, just because uh, in from that conversation just because they they're already readers. 
Well, yeah, I definitely would say the same after listening to the show myself. And if I could offer an answer to my own question as well. Oh, please um, do. People, seasoned atheists like myself, as I said in the intro, are constantly inundated with these kind of questions. And these are problems that you may never have really thought about. Like the idea of reading critically for the first time and knowing that the right answer isn't a foregone conclusion. It's something that you have to find. That's not something that really occurs to people in my position. And so to have that sort of laid out in front of you, it prepares you for when you face that question from, let's say, your nephew that just decided maybe he doesn't believe in Mormon Jesus anymore. Right. Absolutely. Um, but to, but to you know obviously our our listeners can go check out the show there will be a link on the show notes uh, so they can find out for their for themselves but rather than make them go through a whole download in an effort to give our audience a taste of what you guys have to offer I've chosen a couple of subjects here um, that are all you know in the larger category of shit that newly minted atheists might be both curious about and unfamiliar with and I'm going to ask you guys for your top three pieces of advice for each. We're, we're gonna start can, we, can we go into this with the caveat that neither Mark nor I is an expert on anything, and we're just uh, we're just your your dopey uncles who have advice for you only because we've lived hard lives and made all all of our mistakes uh, already. School of hard knocks credentials are a given. Yeah. Um, well, and then obviously it's worth noting that, of course, you bring experts on to talk about these things on your show. So it's uh, we're right. not just relying on your expertise. But but right. just to give everyone a taste here, let's let's start right there. Let's start with getting drunk. We've talked about it a, a number of times. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about having a drink here or taking a sip of the blood of the Savior. I'm talking about getting full blown puke on the dog. I don't tell you guys how much I love you enough drunk. Uh, what does the new drinker need to know? In that situation, um, we got we got great advice on this from these our, our friends at Waterwitch Bar here in Salt Lake. And they one piece of advice was do it. Get if you're going to start drinking, you know, first of all, always be with friends who have some experience who've done this mm -hmm. before. But at home or at somebody's home one night, just swing for the fences because what you don't want to do is what we all did in our twenties, which was. Get <laughs> ha shit hammered with a bunch of guys who have never done it before. And then we all jump off of the same roof at the same time and let and, and break all of our coccyxes. Yeah. So what you want to do is have some friends, you know, everybody knows what they're doing except you that they'll be fine. They'll, they'll embrace you. They know that, that you're new to this thing and, uh, and just try it. Just see, you know, push yourself, see what happens, know how it feels the next day, you know, decide if that's something you want to have be a common Occurrence in your life, yeah. Let yeah, they'll they'll show you the right products to help clean up the urine wherever that went, and yeah. you'll be fine. But awesome. also, you'll also feel what that feels like. You probably won't want to do it too much. Uh, and there's and and that's the other thing that we talked about was that you don't you probably don't want to uh, get shit hammered drunk all the time. It's much more drinking is much more fun, and at least in in our view, uh, just uh, just keeping that nice buzz going. Yeah, and, and nothing's going to teach you how bad excessive drinking is better than excessive drinking. <laughs> so uh, Yes, indeed. Yeah, no, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right, well, well, let's move on to something a little more important here. Ooh. I had a buddy in New York. He was from Utah. He was a recently deconverted Mormon, and he mm. took to hedonism pretty well. He was great at fucking and all that. But in the five years that we hung out, we could never get him to stop saying gosh when he was angry. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So... How about a little advice on using the Lord's name in vain or just cussing in general? This is a, a topic we are so excited to to dive into in a how-to section because absolutely swearing 
you know, I, I don't, I'm not telling no illusions anything he doesn't know. <laughs> Swearing deployed effectively is spectacular. It's a grand thing. I'll tell you what, uh, Mormons especially were raised with this notion. I remember so distinctly it being pounded in my head that swear words were words that people used who didn't have the creativity to express themselves uh, with non-swear words. That's fucking bullshit. It's so yes, absolutely. I used stupid. a vuncular and fuck in my intro, people. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think that I think that one of the things that you need to to do as a as a former non-swearer is wrap your head around what swearing is for. And the whole point of swearing is that it's is not like it's not a, to offend. It's not about it's what it is about is a strength is using an appropriately strong word when you want it. It's a force multiplier in language, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where like, yeah, I could say, I cannot overstate the enormity of these mountains that are in front of me. But that just sounds nowhere near as fun as, look at that huge fucking mountain. <laughs> fucking hell. Jesus Christ, that mountain. And the the other thing is, and you made a good point about uh, about taking the Lord's name in vain because that's a very special thing for a lot of people, and that's one of those ones that I remember like training myself off of. Even when I was saying shit and fuck as a as a kid, I definitely didn't say God or oh my God or Jesus Christ or anything like that. And I think one of the things we have to remember, and I actually remind my believing friends about this, is that that has I I with apologies. To the believers, these have become colloquial terms. These are owned by the 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 culture at large now. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, you know, I'm sorry. It's just how it is. And yeah. so, and so, you can't see it as actually a direct reference to God or Jesus. You have to realize that these are no; these are cultural touch points. And so, if I say Jesus Christ when I hit my hand with my hand with a hammer, it's that I'm I'm not referencing a guy. I'm right. just yeah. using an expression. And, you know, in the same way that, that when people leave hardcore religion, it's possible for them to go off the deep end with drinking or drugs. The same is, it's, the same is true as swearing. Yeah. So it's, it's important to know how to use it properly. Right. Yeah. Swear well, people. Swear no, well. I, I, I know exactly what you mean. Because there, there, is, there is something just amazing about that new... That, that person dipping their toe in the water of vulgarity that doesn't understand that there are rules about when you can infix fucking, you know? <laughs> you can't just put it in the middle of anywhere. There's a place where it goes. God right. damn it. Right. Fucking A, man. <laughs> All right. So, okay, let's do a serious one here because when you're religious, uh, you've got sort of a, like a prepackaged system for charitable giving, community service, et cetera. Um, now, of course, that's often faux charity that's really just thinly veiled marketing for the church itself. But it's there. It's simple. It makes you feel good. And all you have to do is add your name to the bottom of a list on a bulletin board and show up on Saturday. But for atheists, again, like you said, we've got to go out and find this stuff ourselves. And it's often harder to get involved and give back to your community. So what advice might you offer up to somebody trying to learn how to be charitable and secular at the same time? That's a trickier one. That's a, you know... And that's something that I've struggled with. Uh, there's two. So you've actually asked two questions in that because charity, charitable, charitable giving is one thing and community is another thing. I think that there is definitely something beautiful about finding uh, atheist community. And there are lots of community organizations now that are, that are popping up all over the world uh, and, and in our country, uh, you know, things like Oasis and, 
and, you know, Sunday, various uh, Sunday services for atheists. And those are great. And I say go to those if you want to, if it appeals to you. In terms of charitable, charitable giving, there are lots of organizations that can help you research different charities. I wouldn't give to think, you know, it's one of those things. It's tough. It's a tough moment when you stop giving to the guy ringing the bell outside of outside yeah. of the grocery store or whatever, because that feels right. It feels nice to right. give to that guy. It's Christmas. It's cold. You and, know, he's cold and you feel like, well, this 25 cents or this 50 cents is, is helping somebody. And it it kind of does. But what you realize, but, but I mean, the, what you have to realize is that, you know, the Salvation Army is a religion. You're actually giving to somebody else's religion. You're not giving to a charity. You're giving to someone else's religion. And if they choose to use that for charity, that's on them. Uh, but they may not. Yeah, they might just as well use it to oppose gay marriage, for example. As exactly. exactly. Or, or to impose a religious sanction on somebody that wants their services. Oh, you have to attend this service first before we'll give you a hot meal, which is just is, is cruel, in my opinion. But there are plenty of secular charities, but there are also just plenty of, you know, God-neutral charities. There are, you know, charities for uh, helping animals in your in your locality or, you know, the World Wildlife Fund. And, mm -hmm. you know, they just don't have a position on religion. Right. So like anything else, once you're out of religion and in the skeptical slash atheist world, it is now incumbent on you to do research. It's now incumbent on you to learn. Right? Oh, God damn it. There's so, work. Well, and now we have the Google, which is not just for pornography. Well, <laughs> well speak I mean, for it's yourself. mostly for that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. A, by the way, if a record, an old record player is called a phonograph, how come laptops, laptops aren't called a, a pornograph? <laughs> oh, yeah, us. let's get on that shit. The <laughs> pornograph. <laughs> We're solving problems. We're solving problems here. That's We're right. That's right. All right, so I've got one last, uh, but certainly not least, how-to for you. It's the how-to on everybody's mind. Let's talk butt stuff. <laughs> and also also mouth stuff, because, look, in atheism, we don't have salvation, spiritual guidance or eternal bliss, but we do have all the various fucking. And I feel like that's our strongest selling point. So what, what advice would you give to the new atheist who wants to get into all the groovy perversions that Christianity forbade them from? Well, first of all, I would say that that gonorrhea is real. <laughs> and, and we don't leave that behind so there are precautions to take so as as the resident uh gay 50 percent of our show yes, uh, i can certainly talk about you know some of my uh more spectacular stuff in the turkey moments but we're going to we're actually going to bring on a a sex professional a doctor who among other things is an abortion provider uh and she's going to talk about issues of consent sexuality, the butt stuff, the mouth stuff, the front butt stuff. What's it called on a lady? It's the technical ooh, ooh, yeah. from the Latin. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think the first thing is, especially for people who've been in a religious situation for years, is let's talk about what consent means. And let's talk about how you know, you can just take the whole Bible and throw it in the trash can, including the part about women being property and subservient. Right. And, and so I think we start by unwinding, you know, by unringing that bell. And then we move on. And then we're going to move on to the more technical plumbing issues. And, then, you know, it's funny because it's not because, yeah, people like to get hung up on the, the mechanics of, you know, 
how much lube do I use or, you know, what holes can I not put things into? But people do like to get hung up on those mechanics. They do. Yeah. But that's, but is that really what this is about? Because one of, because the first thing that has to happen is that you've got to fucking free your mind from intense indoctrination about how fucking evil all this shit is. Right. So the right. first step isn't to just like, you know, start sticking your dick into things or, you know, start allowing dicks to be stuck into your things. The first step is dive into like your thinking about this stuff. Yep. Because your thinking is what's going to really hinder you. And, you know, you may be in a situation ready to go or think you're ready to go. And suddenly all of that programming starts kicking in and, and you freak out. So, you know, give yourself space to think. Give yourself space to, like, explore the ideas and, like, oh, yeah, like, maybe fucking isn't bad. And why did I think that? And whose idea of of bad is this? And start. Yeah, it's uh, you got to release all of the guilt and all of the negativity that you ha already have hardwired into you. Yeah, that programming is so so intense and it starts when you're so young. So to to, you know, speaking as a gay person who came out of religion, one of the first things you've got to do is stop hating yourself. Yep. And yeah. then you've got to figure out why that programming programming was there and how you're going to leave it behind. And of course, part of that process is just fucking. So like, right. yeah, you will want to get out there and fuck. And, and yeah, that's when... That's well, it's, when it's like the drinking thing. You just get a bunch of friends over that fuck a lot, have a giant <laughs> all holes orgy and find out how you feel the next day. No, I get you it. You can do that. You can totally do that. Like, <laughs> It's funny because once the whole world opens up, the whole world kind of opens up. You can, do, you know, if, if you suddenly realize, well, shit, I kind of do want to do the whole whippy, chainy, tie uppy thing. Mm -hmm. Try it. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, believe me, there are resources on the web. <laughs> that you, yeah. you can find the shit you want. On the pornograph. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. This went a little longer than I intended. Obviously, I could talk uh, to you guys about any of these subjects for a full hour. Hell, you should do a whole show about that. Hey. I, I want to say... Idea. I'm not an expert in mush, but when you're looking for somebody to come on and talk about cussing well, I'm I'm your man. I want to make myself available to you. <laughs> well, I, I kind of was going to offer that, but I didn't want to be too presumptuous. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, too I, fucking I, presumptuous. Yeah, exactly. I, I saved you the trouble. Well, I want to say, honestly, this is a really good resource. It's funny. It's relevant. And and like you guys said, you would be surprised what you learn regardless of how godless you are. If you want to check it out, you'll find a link on the show notes for this episode, along with a link to hear more from them and Frank on Thank God I'm Atheist. Mark, Dan, thanks for putting this show together, and thanks for hanging out with me tonight. Hey, thanks for having us, Noah. It's been great. Thanks so much, Noah. Ah, Jesus, the car chase of holy books. When he shows up in a holy book, you get to sit back, relax, and follow the story you've known since childhood. Unless, of course, you're reading the Book of Mormon, in which case Jesus is as true to the source material as the Super Mario Brothers movie. So for those of you who need help figuring out what species Dennis Hopper is supposed to be and what the hell Jesus is talking about, we are pleased to once again present Mormon Peace Theater. Everyone, it is I, Nephi. The signs are fulfilled, and Jesus is on the way. Do you all believe me now? No. Blow it out your ass. God, I told everyone that Jesus is coming, but nobody believes me. Oh, right, my kid. 
shit. Uh, uh, give me one second. All right, how's that? Um, dark? Yeah, yeah. That'll show up. Okay, so you guys can see that the sun literally went out. There's no more sun. Do, do you believe me now? Flashlight, bro. Fuck you. Oh. Damn it. Hey, Lamanites. The Gadiantans are taking over all our cities and shit. You want to team up? Sure. Good job, Lamanites. Oh, uh, wow, my skin turned white. It's amazing. You're welcome. Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with my dark skin, though. Oh. Oh, you, uh, you didn't? Nope. Did you have a problem with my dark what? skin? No, no, no. I just thought maybe, uh, thought you would, uh... Wanna be white? I, um... Why? Why would I want to be white? Easier to catch a cow? To Laconus, the governor of the Nephites, it's me, Gadianhai, leader of the Gadiantans, just ready to say, you guys are the good guys and we're the bad guys, which seems oddly self-aware. Anyway, we're going to kill you. Love, Gadianhai. P.S. We heard some of you guys turned white recently. Was that supposed to be like a reward? And so Laconius asked his people to come to Zarahemla so that they could be safe from Gadianhai's wrath. Hey, Gidgadoni. Yes, Laconius. So, you're the general of my army and a prophet, right? Smooth intro, man. Thank you, thank you. So, uh, me and the other Nephites were wondering if we could, uh, you know, go fight back instead of just sitting here in the city? Ooh, no can do. No can do. Boss man says we all gotta stay right here. Oh, okay. I mean... Could you go ask him again? Y you want me to ask God if he changed his mind? Okay, no, uh, I, guess, I guess not. I guess it's a stupid, stupid idea. Charge! Uh, uh, sorry, Gaddy on high? Uh, yeah, what's up? Nobody is here. What? Yeah, just checked. Everybody's gone. Really? Everybody? Yep, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, uh... Do you and the other Lamanites want to move in until this area gets cool and then a bunch of hipsters will raise our rents so we can't afford to live here anymore? And that's how gentrification was born. Eli, Eli, get out of the announcer's booth. That's not how gentrification was born. Fine, fine. Were, were you eating candy in here? I was hungry! And so the Gadiantans and the Nephites did wage a great war, and the bad guys lost, and the good guys won, and everyone became Christian again. Oh, my God. The mic is sticky now. The microphone is sticky now. That's not from candy. Hey, how y'all doing? It's me, Mormon. I'm the narrator in the book of Nephi now, just in case y'all were wondering, even though I should very much not be to talk. I say, fellow Nephite, we've been Christian and not Christian and Christian again quite a bit lately. Indeed we have. What, what, what say we stiffen our necks and act like dicks again, huh? Okay, sounds great. I'm going to kill people for saying Jesus' name. Oh, uh, who's that now? Oh, uh, he, he's a 13-year-old on the other side of the world. Oh, okay. guys, all right, yeah. No, good, good. Cool. 
Hi, Nephi, right? We've, we've met. I thought, I thought that was your dad. Oh, I, I'm actually un, unsure. Anyway, I'm Brett. I help out around the palace. Just wanted to give you a heads up. Something banal and, and also the Gadiantans run the world through a secret cabal of Antichrist? Is that what you're Yeah, if we're, if we're just going to interrupt people's reoccurring bits, then yes, that's what I was going to say. I'm sorry. I mean, it's just... No, it's, it's fine. You the, think like, Carol's... No, it's okay. fine. You think Carol's birthday is banal. Good luck being Judge King or whatever. Hey, everyone listen to me. Such a dick. Boo! I was dead, but now I'm alive. I'm healed! Okay, so now, do you believe me? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, I, I would have I led with the raising of the dead. Okay, well, I mean, maybe say something. Give me a you note. You say something. And then, halfway around the world, Jesus died, and the world was all a flutter. Earthquakes, quaking, and floods flooding. Lordy, it was a mess. Mor- Mormon, what are you doing in here? I'm the narrator. But I thought I was the narrator. You are of the book, but not of this bit on the show. Okay, I am confused. Were you eating candy in here? No. And so it was that when Jesus died, all the Nephite cities did sink into the sea. Um, hey, Joe, d- does that mean if we ever explore the ocean, we'll be able to find the ancient Nephite cities? Um, how good are we at, at that kind of exploration now? Not very good. Yeah, then sure, sure. And it became so dark that one could not light a candle. What do you mean you can't? It's too dark. It's, it's, it's too dark to, to what? That's not how fire works. Well, how does fire work? I, dude, I don't know, man. Just not based on how dark it is. That's not how it works. And then out of the darkness came a voice, but not just any voice. Gay Jesus. No, Eli, what? we are no, not no. doing gay Jesus. Why not? I'll do them all sassy. I'll be like, sassy gay Jesus. Okay, well, who's the, the butt of the joke there? Homophobes. They don't want Jesus to be gay, so we make Jesus gay. Okay, but aren't so. we laughing at gayness then? No, no, he's silly. He's not silly because he's gay. Gay guys can be silly. I feel like the truth of a stereotype doesn't make it less... Harmful. Yeah, it's not, I mean, this it's is not a, a weird... stereotype. It's a commentary on the respect and devotion to Jesus. Okay, but we don't make God gay to make fun of him. So why would we? No, but that's that's like a common understanding thing. We got to do the boomy voice or something. We do the boomy voice exactly. What if he's gay, but he doesn't like like sound stereotypically gay? He's just like he's gay as character motivation. Yes. What does that even mean? Like it's a guys, secret? Guys, no, but look, secret? I'm, no, but I'm just worried that if we do sassy gay Jesus, people are going to think that the butt of the joke is gay people and, and not reverence for the character of Jesus. We could do a meta bit and get out ahead of it. No, no, that's gross. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I'm sorry. Do we like have a magical fourth wall that I don't know about? I just ate candy in the booth as two different characters. Okay, no, that's fair. I guess we do do meta all the time. Well, we do now, thanks to... Is that me? Am I? 
Because okay, I'm guys, here. Guys, I can hear you when you speak. You know Jesus, I'm in the- guys, 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 guys. Sassy gay Jesus stays, but we really bring the meta commentary front and center so people understand what we're making fun of. Okay? Totally. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Super meta. I like it. I like it. Hi, April. You're my favorite listener. Hi, April. See? Like that. But not just any voice. It is I, Jesus. Y'all need to ship up and shape up, y'all. I am so super serious. Anyways, just letting you know that everyone I killed was like super gross and fat and ick who needs them. Am I right? Any whoozle beans, I am the alpha and the omega. What are those? Right Greek doesn't exist yet. So listen up. You all following me is like a chick under its mother's wing and a wing over a chick is a way to protect them because you're all chicks and I'm a like a big old mother bird. You know and what? you're all just going to sit listen. there under my wing. At first, like I was kind of bummed that Jesus killed all those people. And but I'm listening just going to say what a chick and a wing we are. Like a little soft you know, wing. RuPaul, I'm kind of cool with it now. Yeah, you, me too. I was just going to say that. Yeah. And just cool. flapping cool. around. And that's why you're all like a chick under my wing. Hey, Steve, how was your trip? Oh, it was great, man. Did I miss anything? Yeah, actually, Jesus talked to the entire world. Did he now? Yeah, you missed it. Oh, sounds like it was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the Nazarene, if you know what I mean, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. He's Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you. So... Who wants to put a finger in my holes? I do. I do. I do. I do. Okay. Tall one first, chubby one, no. Yay. Aw. And thus the grand tradition of people who wouldn't let me put fingers in their holes was born. Eli, get out of the voiceover booth. I'm not in the voiceover booth. Okay. So let's get some of these men wet. I want them soaking wet. Just water all over their bodies. Uh, do you mean that... You want to baptize people? I was going to call it a foam party, but whatever. Baptize is fine. Okay, so, Sermon on the Mount, blah, 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 be nice. So, Matthew chapter 6. Oh, and no working for any of my prophets. They just sit there all day with me and they snuggle. Are you sure you aren't setting up a ruling class in a, in a golden city someday? Snuggle! Uh, hey, Jesus? Ugh, it's you. What do you want, Pocahontas? Well, it's it's just that you've been saying a lot of stuff that um, might appear elsewhere already, if you know what I mean. So I was wondering... Right, sure, originals, got it. Nobody yeah. likes the classics. Okay, uh, also, everyone, all of a sudden, I'm a way worse speaker. Uh, but yeah, I did all my prophecies, and don't let the Jews or Catholics bullshit you. They're a bunch of assholes. I'm Jesus. Great. You know what's great? A haircut. Hey, Jesus. Oh, good. The tall one's back. What's up? So we were just wondering about, uh, you know, the the rest of the world. Oh, right. Totally going to do a world tour. Going to hit up Cabo and Brazil, Fire Island, the Castro. Um, yeah, I mean, those all sound kind of... Uh, and some other places, I'm, too. Maybe, maybe I'll even uh, bury some plates. I don't know. Let's go get boozy brunch. Um, it's... 4 p.m. It's it's Tuesday. 4 p.m. Exactly. on a Tuesday. Busy brunch. 
Okay, so when you're getting ready for butt stuff, it's very important. And no tongue can speak, to neither shower, can there be written by any man, neither can the hearts of men conceive so great and marvelous things and as we saw it, and, and heard Jesus sort of speak. But honestly, showers are your friend people. Now, who wants to do the communion thing? Okay, everyone, I'm leaving. Encore! Okay, okay. One more minister to the children. Play my heart will go on. No! No. Ministering to the children, and then I'll play my heart will go on. Yay! Heart will go on. And Jesus did return to the Nephites. Hi! And not for nothing, but he was super duper white. Like, just the whitest. The whitest white you've ever seen whited. Boy, was he white. Great. Good thing I'm in the desert. I'm going to look like Donald Trump tomorrow. Um, who? He's the Antichrist. Don't worry about it. Okay, everyone. Who's hungry? Oh, me. Me. I'm hungry. Right. The tall one, I figured. Got to keep you in wine and bread, don't we? Yes, we do. (laughs) Can I have some wine and bread? No. You need to cut out carbs entirely. And alcohol is empty calories. All right? Aww. I still get to have some. Okay, everyone, gather around just to be super clear. This place, I'm going to call it America, is yours now. I gave it to you. Just go ahead and kill everyone who says otherwise. Okay. Uh, how will we know when it's time for us to reclaim the land? Sacagawea, great question. Thank you. Well, uh, someone will write a book of Mormon or something, and that guy, oh, that guy's just going to be the fucking best. Let me tell you. Bees knees. So wait, uh, Joe, Jesus said you were going to be the bee's knees? Yeah. Are you, are you saying I'm not the bee's knees? No, um, you're... The bee's knees? You're, you're the bee's knees. There you go. And Christ did spread much wisdom to the Nephites, telling them all the things that ever were or ever will be. So she drops out of college, but doesn't tell her mom. What? Right? Anyway, back at the restaurant, mom and dad are trying to make it work. And Melissa McCarthy is just amazing in this season, by the way. But like, she's trying to find herself wow. as an author uh, at this point. And this things. is where her character yeah, quickly yes, like, really super big exciting. turn from yeah, like I'm, sassy little girl I mean, over so to like far, womanhood. And it's, 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 it's actually been really mostly Gilmore girls. Yeah. And then, yeah, of just, course, at just this, this point, just, Pretty much all sort of Gilmore girls. Is he her I mean, dad, I'm sure he's going to get to other figure? stuff. Um, yeah, it's really obviously. Her I mean, has just died at this, this is, season. This is part of everything, I guess. Oh, so yeah, 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 no, yeah. But he'll get to the other stuff. I'm sure he will. Get yeah, he's going he's gonna to get to stuff. But Rory and Logan said they were no strings attached, right? Uh, hey, Jesus? Oh, good, he's back. What happened? Did you confuse me for a fruit roll-up? Mean? No, um, I was wondering if we should write all the wise stuff you're saying down. Mm, no, if I want people to hear it, I'll tell them myself. Are you sure? Because it's probably like the most wise stuff anybody has ever said. Yeah, I know. I know it is. I'm Jesus. Like, remember the other day when all those babies started talking? Yeah, totally. I saw that. And the stuff they said. Super wise. I know, but don't write any of it down. Really? Because it seems like a pity not to write any... Yeah, well, so is the neckline of your beard. Ah, okay. Okay, everyone gather around. I'm Jesus. I am out of stuff to say. I'm going to grant you all one wish. Whatever you want, just name it. Seriously, say the word. 
Um, what do we call our church? What? Oh, fuck you, Alan. Wow. Okay. Any wish. That's what you wanted. Um, call yourselves Christians. Great. Question answered. Wish granted. Dude, seriously? I'm going to kill you. I panicked. I panicked. I just said- We wipe with our hands, Alan. Our hands. Disciples, gather round. Last thing. Take a knee. Especially you. Okay. Inappropriate. (laughs) What are you going to do? Cancel season six of Jesus? Whoa, too soon. Mm, Technically too early. Look, you guys are my faves. Alan kind of blew the question thing. So I'm going to grant you guys, my apostles, anything you want. What about it, you guys? What do you want? Um, I'd like to live a long time and go to heaven when I die. Oh, me too. That's a good one. Me too. Me too. Great. You're all going to live to be super long. What's a super old age? Um, 72. You'll all live to be 72. 72? Is that a long... Shush. And you'll go to heaven when you die. Um, see, me, Steve, and Tim were thinking that maybe uh, instead we could like... Ah, I know what uh, you're thinking. Live forever? No worries. You guys are going to live forever. You three, you'll live forever. Well, uh, actually it was was about dick stuff. But But you know what? Forever's fine. Live forever, yeah. Yeah. Fuck, man. Forever is way longer than 72 years. Can I, I'm sorry, can I change mine? No. No backseats. Oh, man. All right. Now get out there and tell people to believe in me. Hey, everyone. Mormon here again. I bet y'all are wondering how I know when the world's gonna end. Well, it's in this very book, so remember to be Mormon or the Mormon just might have to kill you. Not really. Ooh, Skittles. And with that vague threat and my narration booth all sticky, we'll leave things there. But we'll be back in a month with even more Mormon Peace Theater. Before we pass out on the couch in hedonistic glory tonight, I want to thank everybody for bearing with us these last couple of weeks while we've been out of the country. I know there's a lot in the news that we haven't talked about, but I don't know what it is because I'm recording this outro three weeks in advance. But next week, we're going to be back to topical shit and ready to make a coordinated frontal assault in the war on Christmas. Don't you worry. Anyway, that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight, but we'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show's hot friend God Awful Movies debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday and an even newer episode of our half-sister show Citation Needed debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Wednesday. And of all the days of the year, this is the one where I could least get away with failing to thank the wacky band of characters that make this show happen every week. So in all sincerity and with all the jokes aside, thanks to Morgan for working hard in the shadows. Thanks to Andrew for working hard behind the curtain. Thanks to Lucinda for being my best friend and my muse. And thanks to Eli and Heath for elevating this thing more and more every week. Also want to thank Dan and Mark one more time for hanging out with me tonight. Again, check the show notes for a handy dandy link to their new show and their old one. And of course, a big thanks to Santa for providing this week's Farnsworth quote. I know he's been busy. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's best people whose names I don't know for the second week in a row because of all the Australia travel and the turkey eating, but I promise I'll thank them by name next week because they so fucking deserve it, what with those spectacular genitals and intellects and whatnot. And if you'd like to hear your name alongside such shining exemplars of humanism, you can give us money. You can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help, but all your money's tied up in the cultural obligation to support retail change this time of year, you can also help us a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else they let you do shit like that. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. 
could put some jingles, you know, maybe some jingles. Jingles, maybe a trumpet and B flat. (laughs) 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 You were doing Grady Lie, but I wasn't on the file yet. Oh, sorry. This is <laughs> Hold on, what did you, you did it weird that time. Start again. <laughs> All right, this is our job. Do it in B flat. What do you know, trumpet? You're an F. All brass is an F. Who cares? What? Absolutely not. All brass is an F. Morgan got that joke way before we said it. Right, way before we said it, he's like, "No, it would be a lot of a lot of brasses in B flat." It's all in F. They tell you it's in B flat. Try to make it better for you. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm LLC. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved.